Carmen is my middle name. My parents did not give me this middle name. My passport does not validate this middle name. Carmen is my middle name because I decided it's my middle name. I like how it sounds. I like that it's playful. I like that sometimes Carmen can do things that Lisa can't do. Lisa was a straight-A student, a national champion gymnast, an obedient, soft-spoken, good girl. Always a good girl. She let others speak over her. She asked for permission. She needed approval. She hoped boys would like her and settled for behavior way beneath her. Suppressed by self-doubt, self-sacrifice, self-loathing. Then one day, Lisa woke the fuck up. She started to feel something, a slight stirring deep down. It was uncomfortable at first because it was so foreign. But as it grew, she finally understood what it was. It was power. It was her power. Power made her realize that her fears were illusions. Power made her realize her intuition is true. Power made her see just how much was possible. Lisa listened and followed power even when it led her to do things outside of her comfort zone. Don't worry, Power told her. You got this. So Lisa decided to trust it and did what every powerful woman eventually learns to do. She looked at limiting social labels and said, fuck this shit, and started shedding her unnecessary fears layer by layer until there was nothing left but herself. Just herself. Naked, open, exposed. And for the first time, that was enough. She was enough. She was more than enough. Carmen is my middle name because I decided it's my middle name. All right, bad bitches. It is a new era of the bad bitch empire. And I am so excited for you to hear today's conversation because we are going to be digging into what it really means to step fully into your bad bitch unleashed era. And I'm here today with Sarah Marilyn, and she is a very engaged member of the Bad Bitch Empire. We started chatting, collaborating, and that's really the power of Bad Bitches coming together. So Sarah, welcome to the Bad Bitch Empire. Thank you, Lisa. So happy to be here. I remember over last summer, I came into contact with the podcast and the content just resonated. I felt like the gospel, like light just, ah, 
and I just I got the book uh, back here and ever since then I've been so into the mission I didn't even understand what good girl brainwashing was but the second I heard the message I knew I was suffering from it and needed to continue my work and accelerate my journey on my path and I'm super excited to dig into the bad bitch empire 2024 era and what it means so what is 2024 for bad bitch empire what's the word of the year so my word of the year two words unleashed and unapologetic unapologetic has always been a part of the bad bitch empire from the beginning when it launched it was about building unapologetic worth and wealth and this year the reason why i'm really focusing on being unleashed is because there's this aspect of fully embracing fully embodying the bad bitch that is so important for women who want to be leaders and there's a very different process between just knowing that you're under the influence of good girl brainwashing the perfectionism the people pleasing the procrastination nation, the underselling yourself and being like, yes, I need to be that bad bitch and I'm going to work harder to become that. And the actual unleashing, becoming, embodying of the bad bitch you really are. And so the bad bitch empire is all about helping you unleash your inner bad bitch in the biggest, boldest, bravest way possible. I am so here for unleashing the bad bitch. First of all, though, how do you become a bad bitch? How did you become the bad bitch that is now unleashed this year? So a little bit about my background. I built Bad Bitch Empire and I launched it because of my own experience with good girl brainwashing. I have always been the perfect, obedient, people-pleasing girl that was able to achieve external metrics of success. And I think a lot of the women who come to Bad Bitch Empire are very much like that. You look at your resume and you're like, this girl has got it on lock. She's successful. She knows what she's doing. But I often find it's those women in particular who actually have the sometimes the greatest sense of imposter syndrome. And it's because this combination of having anchored yourself to external metrics of success. In order to have become successful, you needed to have learned how to gain respect from other people. You needed to learn how to adhere to certain rules of society, of capitalism, and learn how to add value to people. And so you really had to care about what oftentimes men think of you because men are the ones in leadership positions. And so this idea of being appropriate and following the rules. And so that's what I did for two decades of my life, starting from a gymnast. So it was really about having the perfect 10 score, listening to my coaches and judges and literally creating the perfect routine. So perfectionism is really, really deeply rooted in me. And then going into the corporate world where it was all about adhering to people's perceptions. And even in Silicon Valley, even in entrepreneurship, where 94% of investors are men, 90 plus percent of the funding still goes to male founders. As women, we still have to suppress certain parts of ourselves and certain parts of our power in order to fit in. And so that's part of the imposter syndrome because you've had to suppress yourself. And the other side of it is you have really big dreams. You want to be a leader. You want to create massive impact. And I have always had that side of myself. Like I know deep down that there's a part of me that is meant to 
change the world. I've had that feeling. And I know that a lot of the bad bitches who are attracted to the bad bitch empire, they're like, I have these big dreams. And what happens is that there's a gap between that big dream that you see and then the woman that you see in the mirror. And you're like, can I really do it? Can I really become her? Is it really possible? And so that process of becoming a bad bitch for me was a long journey, first and foremost. It is not an overnight success story. You don't just decide you want to be unstoppable and confident and the next day you wake up and you're like, yep, I don't care what anybody thinks and I am so fucking confident. That that process is one where I started with the one that I saw in the mirror. I, I would look at my flaws. I would look at just, I mean, everything that we look at as women in the mirror where we see that extra flab of fat, that extra wrinkle, the, the extra gray hair. And you're like, oh my God, what's wrong with me versus what's incredible about me. And so there was the woman that I was, and then there was the bad bitch that I knew I could be. And I've never really had role models growing up or mentors, other women that I directly wanted to be or who I felt were really pioneering a path that I wanted to follow. And so the best way I could do it was I had to project a future version of myself. I had to project that bad bitch version of myself. And I always asked myself one question that really drove this evolution and this growth. And that question was always, who is the most authentic and powerful version of me? Who is that most authentic and powerful Lisa that she isn't today. And I would envision this woman who was so powerful, so confident, so generous, all these things. And I was like, how do I become her? So the process of becoming the bad bitch is really about closing that gap between who you are today and the woman that you want to become in order to lead your movement, to lead your business, your empire. And I think that the the vehicle for a lot of us is the work that we do, is the businesses that we birth. And I've started to see business building as a spiritual practice. It's a spiritual vehicle to take something that you see in your mind, a vision, and to then pull it down from the universe, from the ether into reality and actually turn it into a tangible thing that brings value to people and can exist on its own with you guiding it and leading it and bringing people along on your rocket ship to the holy land of your business. I, I totally agree. Building a successful business, you have to see something that's not there. You have to see it before other people see it. There is almost an element of faith or belief <laughs> that creates that outlier success in business, or even just a strategy, a new way of seeing the market is like, you're seeing something that's not there. So when I, I totally resonate with the spiritual aspect. I think we use sports or war metaphors with uh, building business, but I think spiritual metaphors work as well. Another thing that you you were talking about that really resonates is that, you know, I think all of us who are bad bitches or who resonate with this type of content, if we all listed off our achievements, it would sound objectively impressive, but yet we all still feel this sense of lack of like, we don't stand in our success. We think we could have done better. We immediately discount ourselves, even though from an outside looking in, what we have done already is extremely impressive. And so there's like, when we talk about becoming the bad bitch, I think 
part of this step is realizing that we are a bad bitch. <laughs> like what we have already done is exceptional and giving ourselves credit for that. And then recognizing what's stopping you from, and then breaking through that. There's a really cool part of your journey that I want you to share with your audience about the name, like that moment when you realize that you actually are a bad bitch, you realize that something's in the way and you are determined to break through. What was that moment like for you when you were just starting to become the bad bitch? Yeah. So for a very long time, like I said, I was asking myself this question, who is the most authentic and powerful version of myself? And that word power was always something that I was very interested in. And it came from the place of feeling powerless for so long in my life. Like I felt as an introvert, as someone who was really shy, that my voice was powerless. I felt like when I was in those rooms as the only woman or one of few women that my presence was powerless. And I felt like that was also reinforced by the external reaction. In my book, I talk about men who would just assume that I'm the assistant and how that really just continued to diminish my feeling of worthiness, of power, of agency. And I think that there really just comes a point in every woman's journey, and that point came for me too, when you just have experienced so many small paper cuts, the being overlooked, undervalued, assumed as inferior, condescended, and you're like, I am so sick of this. And something in you just snaps and it's the straw that broke the camel's back. And it's just, it's like one more comment, one more injustice, one man being so extremely rude. And I had one of those experiences and I was just like, I am so freaking tired of trying to be the perfect good girl so everyone can accept me so that I can have this beautiful, perfect persona and it's not like they're respecting me anyway. <laughs> and it's like, if I am aggressive and assertive, then I'm a bitch. If I am feeling beautiful and sexy, then I'm a slut. If I am sharing my ideas in a really, really powerful way, then I'm crazy or I'm dramatic. Or if I am sharing my voice and my opinions, now I'm argumentative. And I was like, I, I give up. I am tired of this. I'm tired of trying to fit into boxes and labels for everybody. And I started to feel, I remember the first time I really felt anger and not just anger. It was, it was this feeling of deep, deep rage. And I distinctly remember that day when it happened, when I had that feeling and I had that straw that broke the camel's back and I walked outside, I couldn't breathe. I felt like I was hyperventilating and I walked outside streets of New York and it was blue skies out and I walked into the, the park and I was just like, breathe, breathe, breathe. And I felt this release that was happening where I allowed myself to feel anger. I allowed myself to feel rage. And it was almost like it wasn't just my rage. It was the rage of women and the sisterhood where it's like, I'm so tired of this. And, and I felt liberated. I felt that there was some sort of weight that was lifted off my shoulders because in that moment, I realized that one of the superpowers, that perhaps one of the greatest superpowers that I could cultivate was not giving a fuck about what other people thought of me. 
and in particular, not giving a fuck about what men thought of me. And that, that was like, oh, I see, I see the key. And, and I realized as I was reflecting how much of my, my movements in life was affected by my subconscious caring of what men thought of me. And I, I say men as a collective, but also the patriarchy, right? The corporate system, the professionalism that is expected of women that is defined and created and monitored by men's rules. And this, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable in your body, in your voice, in your being as a woman, because you're being policed by the male gaze or the male opinion. And I saw this, it was just, I woke the fuck up and I was like, whoa, I did not realize from personal to professional how so much of this I've been operating on a wavelength that I didn't create. <laughs> and I've kind of just subconsciously gone with it. And that was kind of the beginning of the opening when I realized this is not how I want to live anymore. And the next step was, okay, now that I'm awakened, now that I have awakened to this programming that's within me, what next? What do I do about it? There was this moment where you came out as a bad bitch. And what was the process of getting from that moment of anger? I think even getting to the point of feeling anger is a huge moment for women because we like sublimate our anger. We actually carry so much that we push down. And then when we finally let ourselves feel it, it feels so intense because we just don't even let ourselves feel it. Going from that moment to coming out as a bad bitch. <laughs> Like that was a, that was a moment. <laughs> yes. So I think a lot about identity and how the thoughts that you have, the things that you say to yourself really shape your identity, your environment shapes your identity and your name really shapes your identity. It's like the first outfit that you put on, right? It's the thing that you call yourself. And it's like, you have now associated certain types of behaviors with your name. And so for example, I associated with Lisa, like Lisa was the good girl. Lisa was the one who worked really hard. Lisa was the one who was obedient, the people pleaser, the perfectionist. And the thing is, Lisa brought a lot to the table as someone who's always been very hardworking, very diligent, very resilient, a winner. And so the good girl side of you, like the, Lisa as my name carries with it so much weight. There's the good weight, which is my successes. But alongside that was the, the traits that got me there, which perhaps coming from a place of needing external validation or proving my worth, which is something that we do, especially when we're young, you know, making our way in the world, trying to achieve a certain level of success. And I realized that there were many times that I started feeling like that weight was too heavy. I was like, it's really hard to be Lisa. I feel like I need to live up to this expectation and very well could have just been my own expectation of what I needed to achieve in order to be worthy. And I it, remember when I got the Forbes 30 under 30 nomination and like, I wasn't even happy for myself. I was just like, whoa, this is cool. And then it was like immediately, man, this is so much pressure to live up to. The imposter syndrome was like, I don't know if I really deserve this. Now people think I'm a big deal. And like, 
I don't know if I'm a big deal. I'm still the same person. And then Lisa had to live up to that again. Like Lisa has to now be someone who's a Forbes 30 under 30 and a national champion gymnast and all these things. And I'm like, sometimes I just want to start over. Like I just want to be, I don't want to have the weight of my Ivy League degree and all this stuff where I'm intellectual. Sometimes I just want to be like, I don't know, sometimes I want to be like ratchet and sexual and fun and free. Just whatever I want to be, I want to dance. I want to not be rigid and professional and what people expect when you are quote unquote a professional woman. And what I had to do for myself, I was like, I need to find a way, I need to find a vehicle to step into something else. Like that woman that I see, that bad bitch that I see in my mind. And for some reason, the name came to me. Okay. And that was a spiritual awakening. The name Carmen came to me. And Carmen was this woman who just did not give a fuck about what people thought. She wore her sexiness proudly. She loved her body. She was sensual. She flirted with the world. She knew it was her playground. She owned her space. And she definitely did not care what men thought of her. She was just like, these men are under my dominion. And she knew her divine power as a woman and was not confined by the cages that the world puts us in. And I was like, I, I want to be her. And I can't, how do I be her? And that's when I really adopted Carmen as almost my alter ego, but it was more of like, I, I don't think it's as much the alter ego as it it was the part of me that I knew existed that I needed to unleash. And I remember the first time that I made this very conscious decision. I'm like, because I don't have, I wasn't born with a middle name. I wasn't given a middle name. So I was like, Carmen is going to be my middle name. And I was like, how do I, how do I just change my Instagram handle or my Facebook name, you know, back then. And I was like, what are people going to say if I just put my name there? And do I have to explain it? Do I have to tell people why? And before I did that, I actually was invited to do a keynote talk. And the MC asked, how do we pronounce your name? How do we introduce you? And in that moment, I remember being like, you can call me Lisa Carmen Wang. And he's like, oh, I didn't see that on the thing. And, and I was like, yes, that's my name. And I was so nervous when I told him. It was like an audience of over a thousand people. And I remember the first time I heard someone else say my full name, Lisa Carmen Wang. And I walked onto that stage and he was like, Lisa Carmen Wang. And I walked on and I was like, oh my God, I just changed reality. You claimed your name. You claimed, claimed it. it. And it was like suddenly all these thousand people see Lisa Carmen Wang, not just Lisa Wang. And it was just like this, it just, it was so powerful. It was so empowering for me where I was like, I can just do that. I can just make a choice. I can just claim it. And I didn't need anybody's permission to say that's my middle name. And then I started changing that across my socials. And then people were just like, I didn't know that was your middle name. And I'm like, yep. And I had Carmen's coming out party officially. So I remember my birthday party, it must've been four or five years ago. And you know, Carmen dressed in a certain way and Carmen wore lace and leather. And like I said, embodied her full sexuality and sensuality her of being a woman. And I created a Pinterest board 
for Carmen. And I shared it with all of my birthday attendees, all the women. I was like, okay, everyone, here's the attire. On a scale of one to 10, prude to slut, you can be on anywhere on the scale. You can just dress up and no one's going to judge you. We're going to embrace you fully. I was like, I'm going to be around the eight to 10 scale. So I got you covered there. And so whatever you want to do, like however you, like, you want to feel, just come in and you're full sexy self. And it was just so hot to see all of these bad bitches, all of these women dressed in black lace leather. And we took over this rooftop bar. And last minute, I invited guys to my birthday. I was just like, oh, it'd be nice to have some guys. And so... 10 hours before my birthday, I just texted a bunch of them and they arrived an hour after. I told them the party started an hour after the original, <laughs> when I told the girls to come because so like, the girls could mingle and the guys came and they were just so confused. They're like, uh, was there a dress code? Am I allowed to wear this? And they were so timid. And I just, I realized the power of what happens when women own the space with like full love for their bodies, full amplification and embodiment of who they are. And suddenly it was like the men, the men who walked in, they knew this was a woman's domain and they were there for the girls. And so they were there to be like, how can I serve you? How can I help? And it was just like this dynamic where I was like, that's the exact opposite that we see in the business world, right? Where women are trying to adhere to men's rules and we, we shrink ourselves for that. And it, and it doesn't make us feel good where I feel like actually a lot of the men really enjoyed the fact that women were holding the space. And they were like, they got to step into more of that masculine of like, yes, I'm here to serve. I'm here to hold space for this, which is what a healthy masculine man does. So, you know, all this to say that uh, Lisa Carmen Wang was not my birth name. And not a lot of people know that, probably only a handful of people, but this is 2024 and I feel like really a big year actually. So if we go to the spiritual side of things, 2024 is a year of the dragon in the Chinese zodiac and I was born in the year of the dragon. So it's like double dragon, prosperity, abundance, and dragons are the most powerful signs in the zodiac. And so when I think about unleashing, it's all about being so proud of everything that you've gone through and really owning all parts of yourself. And part of that is really owning this name that I've created for myself. And it's now legal. So I'm very excited. It's now legally on my passport. I've officially changed it in the span of that year. I'm officially, legally Lisa Carmen Wang. And it's so funny when people ask me like, where's Carmen from? Like, what's your ethnicity? And I'm like, oh, it's the Latina side of me. <laughs> And they're like, wait, you're Latina? I'm like, no, but it's all good. But yeah, so now I have really claimed that side of me. And part of the process was also at some point learning how to integrate Lisa and Carmen. Because there also, there was a point where I wanted to drop Lisa completely from my name. And I just wanted to be Carmen. And it was because as I was stepping into Carmen in that initial process of unleashing that I was like, Carmen, Carmen's so much better than Lisa. Like she has all these things and, and she's so confident and she doesn't put up with bullshit. But I would find myself slipping back into the good girl, which I associated with Lisa. And I just, I wanted to get rid of that. I just want to get rid of this good girl side of me. And, and I realized that was part of the shame that I had still around being bad behavior or accepting lower standards for myself and mistakes I'd made as a good girl, undervaluing my worth. And it wasn't until 
one of my closer friends, she said to me, you know, maybe, do you think you might miss Lisa a little bit if you drop her completely? She's like, because we might miss Lisa and we love Lisa. And Carmen wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Lisa. Lisa brought a lot of good things to the table and she's very kind. She's very generous. She's really sweet. She's very sensitive. We became friends with Lisa first, you know, and, and I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, so, and I think that was the realization where the integration of Lisa and Carmen became like, oh, I don't need to shame my past. I don't need to shame those sides of me that when I was growing up, I didn't know better that that was part of my growth process and part of really embodying the full bad bitch is honoring your past and all those versions of yourself while simultaneously keeping that vision of yourself in the future, right? Of the self that can always keep growing and evolving and being a badder bitch that can all exist. And actually I can hold all of those things in balance and I can really proudly own some of the things that I brought with me as a good girl that really helped me get to this place. And this is just a new evolution of my growth. And so when I realized that I was like, oh, if I'm just Lisa, I feel like there's something missing. If I'm just Carmen, I feel like there's something missing. Going back to this idea of identity and name, I love both sides of myself, like that sweet, soft, sensitive, more soft feminine side. And I also really love this side that's like, I give no fucks, get the fuck out of my way. If you don't support me, I'm going to say no to you. Build your big ass empire, move out of the way, bitches. And I'm like, I like both of them. And I can be both. And that integration process actually took quite some time for me because I was like, who am I? Can I be both? Or how do I hold them both? This is one of those things where it's like women can be at different stages of the becoming process. The earliest is like you are stuck in good girl brainwashing in that first moment of the awakening. And you're like, wait, I see how I've been brainwashed. Now, what do I do about it? And for me, the what do I do about it was was projecting that bad bitch version of myself that came in the vehicle of Carmen and embodying Carmen, learning how to embody her, and then bringing back the Lisa that was always there. And now I feel like I'm an integrated, I'm all of it, right? And And I always said, you can't put a bad bitch in a box. Like she can be everything. And that is the moment where you stop trying to limit yourself or label yourself or contain yourself and realize you can be the full range of emotion and identity and everything as a human, as a woman, as a spirit, as a soul. And um, it's just this physical world that tries to limit us and say, that's not possible. Yeah, because the physical world also isn't sometimes as kind, you know, like projecting Carmen, projecting the bad bitch. When you start carrying yourself a different way, there's like different stages of coming out. Just having the party was one step, but changing your LinkedIn profile picture. We need to talk about when you showed up to the Bitcoin conference in lingerie, like those the moments where you project, like how do people react to that projection of you? Yeah, that Bitcoin conference when I launched the Bad Bitch Empire in 2022 was a pivotal moment. I 
conceived of the bad bitch empire actually at a bad bitch brunch that I had with some girlfriends. And I was like, there's this concept of good girl, bad bitch, but what is it? Is it bad bitch network? Is it bad bitch ventures? And the word empire came and I was like, is it bad bitch empire? And then one of the girls was like, I kind of love it. And I had to get used to this word empire. And I'm like, but is that too big? Like, am I, can I, am I allowed to step into that? And I don't even, it's just an idea right now. And part of this is also just being like, yes, I can. I can own this. Every empire began with a vision. Every big movement began with a mission. And I have always been very mission-driven. I've always believed in the power of female leadership, of feminine leadership. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna fucking own this. Bad Bitch Empire is cheeky. It's fun. It's bold. It's unapologetic. And the more I played with Bad Bitch Empire as a brand, as a, a home, and I think a brand is often like your home for your business and for yourself that you choose, another identity that you choose. And I was like, yes, this feels good. And so I was doing crypto advisory and got invited to the Bitcoin conference. And it was the second year that I was going to the Bitcoin conference. And I was like, I think this is the time to launch, to have the coming out of the bad bitch empire. And I had gotten involved with women in Web3 communities and I ended up partnering, co-sponsoring with a crypto hedge fund and a crypto venture fund at the Bitcoin conference. And they had already rented out a rooftop and I was like, yeah, I'll come in. And it was co-hosted. And so it was like, okay, this is the Bad Bitch Empire launch party. And I was embodying my full Bad Bitch self. I was really getting to lingerie. That was part of Carmen's exploration. And I was like, you know what? I think this is what a bad bitch wears. Like, I think I look good. I think I look sexy. Like, let's create a little bit of, let's, let's do a little provoking and see what people think. And so right bef before the party, I ended up interviewing guys on the street. So I had a camera following me around and I was like, why is it important to get more women into crypto? How do we get more women into this space? And one of the guys, we caught this on camera and it went viral on Instagram. I put the mic to his face. And I said, what do you think it takes to bring more women into crypto? And he looks me up and down and he's like, well, not to dress like you. And I was like, honestly, I was confused and I just didn't move. And I was like, tell me more about what you just said. And he was so taken aback and he started stuttering. He was like, I mean, well, you know, like this is not a space for supermodels or like whatever. And I was like, oh, that's a, that's a, that's a compliment. But what I realized later when I was analyzing it, why it even went viral, because I was just like, his words just bounced right off of me. Like, you weren't I, defensive, like at all. I wasn't defensive. <laughs> I didn't react. I was just like, huh, that's interesting. And what men sometimes do when they are condescending about a woman's appearance or just make judgmental comments, like judgmental, superficial comments like that, is that they're hoping for a reaction from you. They're hoping that you're defensive. They're hoping that you're going to like prove yourself to them. And the fact that I didn't, that I kind of just stood there like looking at him like, really, dude? Like, well, tell me more. And And like he obviously hadn't thought it through, but that is what it meant to hold my power where it was like, I am dressing like this for me. And 
clearly they had a problem with that. And it was like, well, what is the attire here supposed to be like ugly hoodies and sweatpants? I don't think that that's any better. So I wore the same outfit to my Bad Bitch Empire launch party. And of course, I was there hours early and we were putting all the signs up, putting all the marketing materials up. And there was such a huge RSVP list. of I think it was like almost every woman at the Bitcoin conference and had RSVP to like, oh my God, what's the bad bitch empire? And I was like, you'll find out here. So I told the women to come an hour early. The party started at officially six. And I said, come at five to come early and get drinks. Again, same thing that I did at my birthday. Because I was like, it's so important to have spaces where women get to connect with each other first. And by the time the other organizers came, first of all, one of the guys came an hour late. He came at seven. He sauntered in. He was a partner of this fund. And he got angry. He got upset. He was like, there are too many women here. Your people cannot keep coming in. We are not allowing any more women in. I'm like, no one in the history of a, a crypto conference or any sort of male dominated conference has ever said no more women allowed. <laughs> and secondly, we were here three hours before, like get your shit organized. And I am a co-sponsor here. So you do not get to tell me what to do. And I had a speech prepared. I stood up on the table and I was welcoming everyone to the bad bitch empire event. And so just totally stole the spotlight. And he was really pissed off about it, but everyone had a great time and it just made such a huge splash. And that was the official coming out of the bad bitch empire. And yeah, for me, there was a statement that I made with my outfit, which was like, I claim, I claim my power as a woman. And I am going to challenge this idea of what is quote unquote, appropriate. Because I can tell you for a fact, there's a lot of very inappropriate things that the crypto guys do, like that men do in these professional spheres, and they don't get criticized for it. I'm not hurting anybody with my outfit. I just feel good in it. So if you have a problem with that and it's distracting to you, maybe you need to get your mind out of the gutter. I mean, that's it. That's, those are those mask off moments though, where men just like you project the bad bitch and then they just say the thing that we know they mean, but sometimes they just say it outright. And I, I, I feel like there's a couple other coming out moments. Like it does kind of happen in stages. The integration takes a long time. I know. So after you launched at the Bad Bitch Empire Bitcoin conference, did you raise the fund next? Did you start the podcast next? We also had a book, which was like a whole other stage of coming out to even get to this unleash. So like, do you want to talk about some of those other moments where you projected the bad bitch and you got a reaction, good or or enlightening? <laughs> um, yeah, so I think it was less about projecting and I, I really felt like I was stepping into the embodiment of it. But I was it was nascent because it it's one thing to embody and step into your boldest bad bitch self in personal spheres. It is a yeah. whole nother arena when you are stepping into a professional sphere where traditionally it's been dominated by men and women have been expected to act and dress and be and speak a certain way. And I found that there was very polarizing reactions to me and to Bad Bitch Empire. First, it was very unexpected for people. Again, with Lisa having been a very appropriate and nice, good girl who was successful and respectable and followed the rules. It was like overnight, I switched on Instagram and people were like, what? Who, like, 
who is this woman who's wearing these like thigh high boots and like this, this <laughs> leotard and all this black big braided hair and I loved it. <laughs> there was one woman's comment that I'll never forget. And she DM'd me. She was an investor at a family office and she was like, Lisa, I love what you're putting out. It's so bold. It's so irreverent. And it makes such a statement. And honestly, you going to the edge gives me permission to take a baby step. And I will never forget that comment because I realized that's what I was doing. I was trailblazing. You know, when we talk about the war metaphors, I imagined that I was stepping into the line of fire and I had built up a strength, which was effectively like emotional armor because I knew that I was going to get criticism or hate. There was going to be something because whenever you do something unexpected, whenever you step out as a woman and be bigger and bolder and are clearly irreverent to the rules, then people, people react to it. And yeah, on the other side, there were also people who were uncomfortable with it. They were like, why do you have to use the word bitch? Why do you have to dress like that? I was called a femme Nazi once because I wrote about the future of the female-led economy. And of course, it was some troll who, I don't know, played video games in the basement and like, we don't judge. However, he started it. <laughs> and I just kind of got to the point where I would laugh about it. And I was like, wow, these people are really projecting their insecurities. And I also discovered that there's a very specific type of people who feel deeply intimidated by the Bad Bitch Empire and the brand that I've embodied. And it's specifically the people who have the closest proximity to old money, old power, old systems. And, you know, it's often cis-hetero white wealthy men that have had the power for so long. And when you have a young woman of color coming in, they're like, this is not how it's supposed to work. You can't just say these words. Bitch was supposed to be an insult against you. And now you're using it as a positive? That doesn't make sense. So the power of language. So there were a lot of men who were outwardly supportive until I came into their arena and suddenly it was like the irreverence was threatening. And this one guy said to me, Andreessen Horowitz and Sequoia will never take you seriously with a name like Bad Bitch Empire. And at first it affected me and I was like, wait, but that's like literally not the reason I started this brand. <laughs> like, I, I'm sorry, but I did not start this brand to get the approval of name brand VCs. That's you projecting your fear of their opinion, actually. And then I got comments like that. And then even recently after I launched the fund, I was one of 30 general partners presenting funds to limited partners, LPs who are going to be investing in funds. And I was the only woman and we got two minutes to present. And so when I presented the Bad Bitch Empire Fund, the thesis, my investment track record, my overall track record of success and why I was passionate about investing in female-led companies that were creating exponential impact. Then the first guy came up and he was just like, I don't think that our investors can invest because they might be offended by your name. And I looked at him across the Zoom screen and I was like, well, if you're offended by the name, then just don't invest. Thank you. Next. And his jaw dropped. And there were so many people, like I could see the Zoom screens and they were like, 
and it was this same experiences at that Bitcoin conference. It was like, he expected me to react. He expected me to defend the name or why I chose it and to grovel to get his approval. But I didn't. I realized in that moment that this was not a supporter at all. And it didn't matter whether my fund was called Good Girl House or Bad Bitch Empire, that his choice to nitpick at the name rather than comment on my track record, my thesis, my investments, like the things that actually matter, he chose intentionally to nitpick at something that really didn't matter. And that just revealed who he was. And that's a man who was never going to support in the first place, was never going to invest in the first place, does not support women or gender equality. And his sexism was really revealed in that moment. And as I have developed inner strength and character around really owning being a bad bitch and owning the bad bitch empire as a brand and knowing that there's always going to be haters. There's always going to be people who don't like it. It's going to ruffle some feathers, but it actually is a blessing in disguise because it reveals the ingrained sexism much faster than if I'd come in with a vanilla brand name or something that was very palatable about gender equality and women's empowerment. Yeah. And in just imagining like how much of our lives we spend and how much every woman spends of their life seeking the approval of men. And just, we all sort of take it as a given that we should be seeking the approval of men like that. We should be trying to defend ourselves. And, you know, that's something about bad bitch empire. It's like, once you're in the company of other women who are breaking free of that good girl brainwashing, it happens so much faster than when you're navigating this all on your own. It can be so hard to get past that. So with this new 2024 Bad Bitch Empire Unleashed, we're talking about the next evolution of Bad Bitch Empire. Groups of women are now gathering to, to Bad Bitch Empire for exactly this. Do you want to talk about your experience with, as you've grown Bad Bitch Empire, you're helping other women break free of good girl brainwashing and you're coaching women into becoming the best versions of themselves. And I know you've had this gymnastics experience, you know <laughs> what effective coaching is and you're actually doing it. Speak a little bit about that experience and how that ties into the themes for the new year. I have always loved coaching, even when I didn't know the term or the label. It's really about mentorship and like pure mentorship is super powerful. I think I've always had this gift of seeing other people's potential. I see the version of the person that they could become if they just got out of their own way. And sometimes it's easier to see other people's potential than your own. And it's really hard to put a mirror up to your face, but that's what a coach does. And I have had that experience as a national champion gymnast, just like if you want to be the number one athlete, you need a great coach. Even Michael Jordan didn't do it alone, right? No great athlete did it alone. They always had a coach that could see objectively and tell them areas of improvement and push them and make sure that they stayed on course and that they continued to be a champion. And my experience with coaches was a lot of tough love. I had hardcore Soviet coaches who did not go easy on me. We were training six days a week and it was like crying, I don't know, five out of six days, whether from emotional or physical pain. And 
it was, you know, definitely not the most healthy environment for sure for a adolescent girl, but it did turn me into a champion. And I know the power of tough love, direct feedback, someone pushing you outside of your comfort zone. And so even my coaching style, when I see women who are under the influence of good girl brainwashing, they are limiting themselves. They are not taking action because they're stuck in some of those beliefs, this imposter syndrome, the negative self-talk. And I just want to like lovingly shove them and be like, get out of your own way because you have this big mission. You have this ability to go bigger and to make more money, but you need to see your worth. You need to see your value first. And the other area in my coaching that I know is really powerful is that a lot of times it's not a logical transcendence. It's not logical progression because every woman that I've worked with is very smart. She is ambitious. She's already successful in her own right. And the thing is, what got you here is not what's going to get you there to that next quantum leap level because it's not a rational process anymore. Like working yourself to the ground, sacrificing your body, hustling nonstop. Also, we get older and we're like, I'm kind of tired and I'm burnt out and I don't know if I can keep doing this. There's this next level of power, of feminine power that needs to be accessed where you really bring together that full embodiment of a bad bitch. Everything from what's the energetic frequency that she holds? What's the capacity for money? What's the way that she thinks? How does she project outwards? How does she move? What rituals does she have? What does she say? How does she lead? What's her voice like? And you really step out of that self-doubt, that limiting belief, that imposter syndrome that still affects many successful women. And there's also that next level of spiritual belief in oneself and of unleashing that full side of yourself. And I, I say that there's really three levels of power that that next level of woman who really wants to build something bigger needs to access. And those three levels are your sexual power, your spiritual power, and your financial power. And there's no mistake as to why those three in particular, if you feel any sort of like, oh, that's like a little bit inappropriate. Am I allowed to be this? Is because those are the three areas in which women are the most powerful and have been the most shamed for. So if you think about sexual power, like we are constantly shamed for our sexuality because it's actually one of the most powerful forces of life. It is what men go to war for, right? It's like women have this ability to really attract and magnetize things towards them when they know their sexual power. The spiritual power, which is your divinity, your sacred connection to spirit and everything around you, energy, frequency, and then finally financial power, which flows outward as a result of embracing these two other next level areas of power. And that's for the woman who's like, you know what? I want to build a multi-million. I want to build a billion dollar company. I want to build a global movement. And when you want to step into that, that's when you really come into bad bitch empire. And that's the type of women that we want to be around. And I think that's why you were attracted to this. And, and when we first had our onboarding call, you were like, I don't know if it's crazy, but like, I feel like I can change the world with my business and I can build this billion dollar thing. I'm like, that's not crazy. It's just the, there's an energetic frequency that needs to be shifted and that bad bitch to be unleashed. And again, 
it's a spiritual practice. It's a ritual. It's a changing of frequency and identity and who you can be as a woman. Yeah, that's definitely one of the first transformations I started feeling is like when when we have that exercise and it's like, what's the first thing you think when you think about saying that that truth of I think I can change the world. I think I can change social media technology like these big I could beat Mark Zuckerberg like these crazy things. And then my immediate next thought is. Who says I could do that? Like. Who am I to dream that big was the immediate negative self-talk and that believing that we're somehow not enough. And then I think there is that that spiritual element of well of being able to see something that's not there because immediately you can start to interrogate that self-talk by okay, well, how can I achieve that goal? And even on that call, we started piecing all these different things together that I hadn't even thought about of how someone like me can get from where I am, which is enough, like I am enough to do something like that is something I've come to understand. But then being able to see the world in a different way where you can actually imagine getting into that next level. So like I've experienced the benefit of that work already just in the short time that I've been very active in Bad Bitch Empire. And I'm really excited for all the other women who eventually feel drawn to this movement, who kind of sense it within themselves that like there's another level that you could break into that like you feel like you're capable of something, but you're not, you might not even know what's in your way. I remember praying about it at some point of being like, I just, I know there's another level, help me break through. And it's, it's not logical. It's not rational. Like it's a, it's a different type of work. So I'm so excited that you're taking that up in the new year and amplifying it and more people um, can get, it, it would have taken me probably years to <laughs> go through on my own what I've gone through in just like a few months of being in Bad Bitch Empire. So thank you for, thank you for your service, Lisa. <laughs> well, thank you, Sarah, for being a part of the Bad Bitch Empire and for your continued commitment to yourself and unleashing that inner bad bitch. And for all of you who are listening, who are watching this, there is so much to come in Bad Bitch Empire this year. So make sure you get on the email list, badbitchempire.com. Share this episode with other bad bitches who are ready to become unleashed because this is our fucking year. Yes. If you enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot, tag me at Lisa Carmen Wang, and make sure you check out thebadbitchempire.com for events, courses, and other cool shit. Thanks for tuning in to The Bad Bitch Empire.